Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Links and Locks Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Links and Locks Podcast. Our best bets for this week's 3M Open. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. He is Spencer Aggie, our filling in for Ben Everell. The last time I saw Ben Spencer, he was drinking something. Uh, I don't think it was something non-alcoholic out of the claret jug. And uh, I have not heard from him since then. So I appreciate you filling in this week. Jason, it's always a pleasure to do a show with you. It's an honor to do this. And as we were talking about before, all the Aussies have to stick together. So I'm not surprised Ben has gone AWOL at this moment. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's some claret jug drinking. There was some golf being played afterwards. At some point, you might come home. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if an Aussie leaving Scotland for the U.S. gets detained somewhere. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff going on with Everall right now. So we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And we'll move on to the 3M Open. And uh, before we get into our best bets, and we'll play 18 holes going back and forth. Spencer, what are you looking at as, in terms of, like, Game theory and types of players that you're looking at for TBC Twin Cities this week. I think this is a unique course. And obviously we have a very eclectic group of players. Like you have, I mean, if your top end is going to be, and this is no shade up anybody, but if your top end is going to be like Maverick McNeely and Adam Hadwin and those players, you're obviously missing a bunch of players there. So as far as the course is concerned, it was designed by Arnold Palmer and Tom Lehman in 2000. The venue has recently seen a few changes, most notably getting extended by over 300 yards versus its typical Champions Tour layout to prepare for the 2009 iteration of the event. That added distance has allowed golfers to use length as an advantage for taking apart this relatively wide open, yet still claustrophobic test thanks to 15 holes with water coming into play. But it's hard to call the track anything more than a ball striking shootout. Three of the par threes do stretch beyond 200 yards. That provides us a more challenging you know, scorable tally on the card for players that are trying to find birdie chances, but it's going to be the par fives that yield the most robust opportunities of the mix coming in at between a 39.7 to 56.1% birdie or better rate. Those three holes will be crucial for the field to take advantage of for the week, but it won't stop there for the players that want to compete to win the title. And the 11 par fours provide an interesting mix where five of the better possibilities will come between 379 to 424 yards. The other six par fours do ramp back up the difficulty to the tune of each ranking inside the nine most challenging holes at the venue. But to summarize that just into like a model breakdown for me, I'm looking at ball striking. I'm looking at weighted proximity. I think that's going to be very important. I I think that total driving might be something that you can dive into a little bit. And then just how a player plays at TPC properties, bent grass screens, like the weighted par four, the weighted par five that I put together. It's a unique venue that's, going to give us a, a leaderboard that's going to be different just naturally from who's playing this week, but also because of the skill set that's required. And you don't have to look any further than the last iterations. I mean, we've gotten a lot of hundred to one winners of this tournament. 
That is some fantastic analysis right there. I, Spencer, I was just going to go, uh, I like guys that hit it far and straight, and then guys that you know also make a lot of putts. I think they'll do well. So uh, your analysis is way better than mine. Let's get to it. Playing 18 holes, going back and forth. Spencer, you're on the tee. First bet of the week. So this is one of those weeks where not only is the board gross with the lack of star power, but I do think the pricing is pretty good for what was released by the books. When that happens, we have a lack of bettable options to go through. I'm going to typically keep my exposure extremely minimal by taking a bunch of long shots and approaching a card that way. I don't see a point in getting extremely aggressive with not much value being present, but I will start with one of the more likely players to win his bet, which would be Danny Lee top 40. That is plus 145 on FanDuel, plus 130 on DraftKings. Lee ranks 23rd in my model this week because of his ball striking acumen that places him inside the top 30 of the field. I always run my data over a two-year running model, so we sometimes get some outlier plays where the long-term form exceeds the current metrics. But we have a case here where the recent performances are even better than what my database is giving him credit for over an extended duration of time. He is 27 spots better tee to green over his past 24 rounds, 16 places off the tee, and 21 on approach. And it's the weighted proximity that I ran to mimic TPC Twin Cities compared to his overall proximity rank that really caught my eye. So to simplify that answer a little very quickly, I always take all the historical approach shot ranges for each course and then recalculate the data to hone in on the critical distances for the week. I don't think a general template for approach numbers makes a ton of sense when all vent news demand something different. But Lee jumps from an expectation level of 102nd in this field at a random course to 39th here. That is the highest move I have in my model this week when looking at that. And just to throw it out there, I also think 130 to 1 on DraftKings to win the event is an interesting bet if you want to go for the one-two combo there. Yeah, I like that idea. All right, get a hole two. Uh, Spencer, you a baseball guy? I used to be when I was younger. Haven't watched it in a bunch of years. I, I, I'm a baseball guy. I'm, so what I'm doing this week, I'm calling it a bullpen game. And you don't have to be a, a, a stringent follower of baseball to understand. Look. The Aces are taking a rest this week. The Aces need to get their arms ready for uh, the pennant race. So we're going to have a bullpen game where, uh, what I mean by that, I'm basically sprinkling outrights on some bigger numbers this week. I'm going to bring in one guy to throw the first inning pitch to a couple batters, and I'm going to go to the lefty, and we go back to the righty. And we're just going to try to hope that we can cobble something together, cobble together in order that gets us a win this week. That starts with... One of my favorite plays on the board, and I'm taking him here as a first-round leader play, but I like him for outrights as well. Wyndham Clark is coming off two weeks in Scotland where I uh, played pretty well at times, uh, really well at the Scottish Open, a top 20 there, not quite as well at the Open Championship last week. The putter got cold, but generally the driver and the putter are the two best clubs in Wyndham Clark's bag. That's a really good combination. I'm taking him 65-1. to 1. For first-round leaders, got the eighth-best scoring average on Thursdays so far this season. I'll sprinkle a little outright as well. And, hey, if you really want to combine those two, DraftKings has him going wire to wire. Look, I know, he's never even won a tournament before. It's a big number, though, 400 to 1. Why not? If you got a little extra disposable income there to throw at something, if you really like Wyndham Clark this week, 400 to 1. All right, let's get to hole number three. So I'm going to go down a very similar path of going with a first round leader here. And it's not a market that I typically find myself playing in, but I'm going to once again, merge a bunch of plays together into one here. And so we'll just like include this as one hole of all my first round leader plays, but Emiliano Grillo 65 to one on DraftKings. 
I don't necessarily trust him over four days, but the putter can get hot for a round to go with his ball striking. Austin Smotherman, 75 to one on DraftKings. He landed as the number one weighted ball striker in my model. The same thing could have been said about Cameron Young last week at the Open when I hit him as the first round leader. So that portion has worked out well recently. Tom Hoagie, 90 to one. The recent metrics are all over the map, but I don't see why he can't get hot for a round. He's fifth in weighted birdie or better and fourth in opportunities gained at easy courses. Troy Merritt, 60 to one. That is the first one that's going to be on FanDuel. Everything else has been on DraftKings. I will save my thoughts on him for a later portion of the show. Satoshi Kadaira, 110 to one. And then Nate Lashley, 80 to one. He is the top ranked player in my model for par four average. I will be talking later in the in the pod about Emiliano Grillo as well. I think he's a, a nice play this week. And I might be, uh, I know you like him for one round. I might be in him for all four rounds on Emiliano. Hole number four, Adam Svensson has been a very popular play so far this week. There's a good number on him. Uh, very consistent lately. He's just piling up top 25 finishes against an inferior field. I'll go a little bit better than the top 25. I'm going Adam Svensson, the Canadian, to seriously contend for this title. I'll take him for a top five at plus 600, which I think is a pretty good number for him to at least be there at the end. He can go low in a hurry on a golf course where we've seen some low scores, Spencer, over the years. I like the combination of trying to catch Svensson posting a 61-62 at some point during the week and sticking around near the top of the leaderboard for four days. I think that makes a lot of sense with him. He's fourth in my model from an overall rank standpoint, and the current form looks great with four straight top 25 finishes entering the week. All right, hole number five. All right, I am going to go into the top 40 market and take Satoshi Kadaira. That is plus 220 on FanDuel, plus 180 on DraftKings. There are some negative trajectory data points in my model that typically would have me considering leaving a play off the card. But as both of us keep mentioning, with the lack of value throughout and the generous price of plus 220, this is a number grab for me where I believe I'm getting a golfer with a volatile skill set, but the tools needed to land a top 40. Kadira ranks 14th for me in weighted birdie or better, 11th in par 5 scoring, which will be a critical three-hole stretch where golfers will need to produce, and 30th overall in ball striking. I did also take him at 250-1 to to win the event at points bet, but it's a small exposure play on him throughout. You know, if you want to look at some of the sharper books in the market, I know he's one of the bigger movers at the credible shops. I've seen him as low as 90 to one, but that number is still available at 250 to one on points bet. So uh, I, I like his upside. I mean, can he win the tournament? I don't know, but at plus 220 to come top 40, that's going to be where most of my exposure comes on him. Yeah, I like that idea. And I think top 40 markets have some, uh, some big time value this week. If you look at how far, this event is going down the priority list to get guys into the field. The yeah. bottom part of the field is really, really ugly. And so you can look at some guys with some decent numbers next to their names who can finish in the top 40 this week. They don't have to beat the usual set of players to, to finish in the top 40. you got to beat Frank Licklater and uh, Jonathan Kay and John Houston and guys like that. These guys who are out on tour on a regular basis can certainly do that. And so I'll let that lead into the – Sixth hole where I'll give you my top 40 play. I'm going with Austin Cook. Plus 180, I think, is a really good number on Cook for a top 40. He's finished inside the top 40. In fact, finished inside the top 30 in three of his last five starts. He's made the cut in all five of those. Starting to find his game. It's been a rough one- to two-year stretch for Austin Cook, but starting to play better again. I believe that 
He's got the talent. He's a PGA Tour winner. He's got the talent that when he's playing his best golf, he can come out of nowhere and have a really good week. He's done it a few times recently. 13th at the RBC Canadian, 16th at the John Deere, 27th at the Barbasol. All I'm looking for is a top 40 here, and I think he can certainly do that, Spencer. Yeah, all the recent metrics are pointing in the right direction for him in my model, too. Like, he's 38 spots better than expectation in strokes gain total over the last 24 rounds. 36 spots better tee to green, 57 spots better on approach. And as you mentioned, the current form, and that's kind of what's all going into it, looks really good right now. 27th, 16th, 13th in three of his last five starts. And uh, he's made a handful of cuts in a row also, I believe, uh, five in a row for him. So he's bringing form to the week, and that's really all you can ask for for a field like this. Yeah, yeah. Hit me with the seventh all. What do you got? All right, so this price has unfortunately moved a little bit from where I originally got it at 80 to 1. Uh, it's more in the 60 to 1 range now, which I still think has a little bit of value, but that would be Troy Merritt. Merritt checks just about every box for me when we exclude par 5 scoring. I know I mentioned the importance of producing on those holes earlier, but there is that other factor that comes into play that if we can get him to overachieve for four days on those 12 holes, something that is well within the range of possibilities since it's going to be a limited sample size for a golfer grading extremely well elsewhere, that we might be able to pinpoint an under-the-radar option with positive trajectory marks as it is for the potential to capture the title. Now, I wouldn't play this at much lower than 60 to 1, but I had 50 to 1 being the proper price on him and as I mentioned, all the upside numbers look really good. And when I'm betting outrights, that's typically what I'm looking for. So uh, he fits the mold of what I'm trying to find. I think the form looks good and, and the metrics look very good for me. So you're obviously looking at a lot of metrics and analytics on, on a regular basis. When it comes to Troy Merritt, are you looking at narratives at all? Because he went to high school in Minnesota. He's been going to TBC Twin Cities for close to two decades. Used to go to the old Champions Tour event there. And then uh, he's been playing this, obviously. He's played it even before back in high school. We played DPC Twin Cities. Does that factor in for you? I know it doesn't work into an analytical model, but does that at least kind of help your mindset when you're playing a guy like this? I mean, I think it can go both ways with it, and that's what makes it difficult. If you look at a guy like Xander Shoffley, he struggled at Torrey Pines for so many years until he eventually yep. got it together. You know, if you look at what Troy Merritt has done, 39th in 2021, a 7th in 2019. So he's clearly shown that he can at least handle the facility and the crowd base that he's going to bring out with him. But, um, you know, I mean, it's a very minor thing. Like if, if there's a reason why I believe a player cannot do it, I would be more inclined to not play them. But we've seen him in the past find success here. Like a top 10 finish is good enough for me to be willing to play him and. I guess just to answer that, I'd be more inclined usually to not play a player if they're playing on their home course, because that's where like narrative street comes in. And then the value gets sucked out of a lot of numbers when sure. people try to back them like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. Eighth hole. I'm going to go with Brandon Matthews for a top 20. If you haven't seen this kid, you absolutely have to watch him this week. Uh, people, yes, people who the longest hitter in golf is and. Some might say Bryson DeChambeau. Some might say Cameron Champ. It might be Brandon Matthews. In fact, he only averages 320 off the tee on the Corn Ferry Tour this year because often he leaves the driver back in the locker room because it's too much club for him. He can't hit driver on a lot of golf courses. This should be one where he can use it as a weapon. He's plus 400 for a top 20 this week. Three things I really like about him. First of all, had him on the radio show a few times. Super nice kid. Just a nice guy to root for. We saw him a few years ago at a PGA Tour Latino America event where uh, somebody uh, yelled something in his uh, backswing on his final putt. Turns out he wound up uh, spending some time with the guy and uh, endeared himself to a lot of people. 
at, at that event. And so just a really nice guy. Uh, like I said, secondly, drives it a mile. I think that could be a really good weapon for him, especially if he keeps in play this week. And thirdly, he's got nothing to lose. Brandon Matthews already has his PGA Tour card clinched for next season. So when he gets an exemption like this into a PGA Tour event, it can't hurt him. It can only help him. I love when a player can play with that kind of mentality. I'm not going to play him to win this week necessarily, but I do think top 20 is certainly well within range for him this week, Spencer. Well, he has the distance, like you said. He's inside the top 30 of my model from proximity from over 200 yards. I think that's going to help on some of the par five holes to score. And he's also inside the top 30 for me when it comes to short par four scoring, which you have a handful of holes there that he's going to be able to use that driver. And I mean, it's 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 a wild tournament where you're going to have to get funky down at the bottom of the board. And I actually will take us into the next play here um, because it's going with that same narrative of trying to get like as out of control as you can get. And that's going to be Sung You'll Know top 40 plus 360 on FanDuel. That is plus 240 on DraftKings. For better or worse, I'd have to imagine I will be the only person in the space this week that punches a no <laughs> ticket of any kind. But there was a time years ago that the now 31-year-old was starting to make his presence on the PGA Tour felt. He captured the Zurich Classic in 2014. He had three other worldwide wins to go along with that. But a mandatory two-year South Korean military requirement derailed his career to the point where he has struggled to find his footing once he got himself back on tour. You don't have to look any further than him losing with his driver in 21 of 22 starts since returning. I know that's an alarming number to throw out there when we're talking about a bet. But while there is water that comes into play on 15 holes, it's still a relatively wide open facility for him to take advantage of his irons, a strength of his game that has helped him make his last four cuts. We are partially dart throwing here on the potential upside, but 400 to one to win the event. I don't hate that. Plus 360 on a top 40. I just think this is a really cheap investment for us to get behind on the week where I'm not trying to push a ton of units out there into play. Yeah, that's a really interesting play. It'd be a great story. Look, for a tournament that doesn't have a great feel this week, we could use a great storyline come Sunday afternoon. Some you'll know coming back from that mandatory military duty to win or at least contend for a PGA Tour event would qualify as a great storyline. All right, we make the turn and we make it quick. No hot dogs, no beers. We're going straight out to the 10th tee. I will kick it off to start the back nine. Hopefully, like Cameron Smith started his back nine on Sunday, I'll start with Brendan Steele for a top 10. He's finished top 10 in two of his last three starts, has not played TBC Twin Cities before, but I was texting with him yesterday, Monday morning, and I told him this is a place where good drivers usually excel. He is ranked fourth in strokes gained off the tee this season behind only John Rahm, Cameron Young, and Rory McIlroy. That's some big boy company he's up there with right now. Very confident in his game. I know he doesn't always roll in as many putts as he could or should. That could change this week, though. Plus 330 for a top 10. I absolutely love the play on Brendan Steele. Brendan Steele. Brendan Steele. Brendan Steele. I just want to be able to hit the ball higher, a little bit farther. Steele with a rip off the 12th. Hard to beat. Wow. That was just jammed in. The man of Steele. How good was that? Wow. As you mentioned, the three guys above him are not in this field. That makes Brendan Steele the number one strokes gain total player off the tee. And to go along with that, he's also number two in my model in strokes gain approach over his last 24 rounds. He's bringing form into the weekend, and I do believe this is a venue that he can find a lot of success at. Yeah, I mean, if the putter gets hot, 
all of a sudden, like, it, it makes him uh, one of the best plays on the board, I think, this week. All right, 11th hole, Spencer. All right, Austin Smotherman, 80-1 to 1 on DraftKings to win the event. I mentioned earlier how he was the top-ranked player for me in expected ball striking, and he's also one of only six players that graded inside the top 40 when it came to my projected scoring on each of the main scoring zones, of that being par three, par four, and par five. The other five are Sung M, Emiliano Grillo, Adam Svensson, Cameron Tringali, and Adam Hadwin. Those are all golfers that are 50 to one or less. So I don't think, you know, and we get a chance here to get Smotherman at double, triple, quadruple the number of a lot of those guys. I think this is an inflated price on him, even if his floor is probably a little bit more volatile than his counterparts. And I always say this on my Better Golf Podcast show that I do with Nick Brettwish, but a miscut is as good as a second when you don't have each way betting available for an outright. So taking chances on these high ceiling, low floor plays always make a ton of sense as an outright. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense as well. We, we haven't really talked about the top of the board too much, Spencer. So I want to get into just one play that I like. And Maverick McNeely is a guy who interests me, but he interests me from a floor perspective more so than a ceiling perspective. I have called Matt McNeely the Charles Howell III of this generation, and Charles gets way too much crap from people. He's one of my favorite people in the entire world, the nicest guy you'll ever meet. But the fact that Charles Howell spent the last 20 years cashing big-time checks, even though he doesn't win a whole lot, only has three wins on the PGA Tour, that's somehow looked at as a negative, not a positive. I've always thought that's a positive. Maverick McNeely is showing the same type of form. He just cashes good checks every single week. And so that floor is really high. He's been 16th or better in each of his last three starts. I like him in a matchup at plus money, plus 115 over the tournament favorite, Tony Finau. Look, Finau has been up and down. I like Tony on a regular basis. I'm certainly not betting him outright in this field. If anything, looking to fade him coming off playing the Open Championship this past week. I have a feeling that maybe, just maybe, with everything that's going on in the golf world, the PGA Tour has tried to lean on a few of the bigger-name players. Hey, love for you to play this week so it doesn't look like we're completely devoid of having any superstars. What do you think, Tony? And Tony's heart isn't completely in it this week. I'm not. It's not a conspiracy theory. I'm just saying that there are reasons to fade Tony Finau and against Matt McNeely is a plus money number. I, I think it's a really nice play for Matt. What do you think, Spencer? Well, let me let me move us into the next hole, and I will talk about the Please. upside perspective that I like for Maverick McNeely this week. So uh, I'll jumble him in with another player. We'll talk about two of the players at the top of the board since we moved in that direction. But McNeely has proven to be a bent grass specialist that always provides his best potential at courses where he can take advantage of his par five scoring and his ability to create opportunities for himself. There's a 25 to one on William Hill. Um, that number's moving in the space very quickly. So I would jump on that fast. Um, you know, I very rarely recommend plays inside the top 10 market because I think it can be hard to talk about on these shows when ties don't pay in full and numbers can quickly move. But if you do have a book that pays ties in full, a bet like McNeely or even my next play in Sung JM is certainly in play. I think both of those guys, as you mentioned, are extremely great plays to consider in the head-to-head market. We still have more opportunities presenting themselves that some of these books start releasing their numbers on there. But 
Uh, I like McNeely at 25 to one. And then Sung JM was sitting at 25 to one right before we started recording. Unfortunately, that number has now moved down to 20 to one, but my model believes he should be a 15 to one golfer. Like, yes, the recent metrics are somewhat alarming, but he ranks third in my model for upside. He's first in strokes gain total over a two years perspective, which goes with what I keep saying about books, adjusting numbers too quickly to a little of bad or good form. And he's the only golfer in the field to grade inside the top 10 in par three, four and five scoring. So it's a lot of long shots for me this week, but Sung JM and Maverick McNeely will be the two guys that I am trying to get exposure to in the outright market. And if I can find head to heads on them specifically with Maverick McNeely, because of the floor that you talked about, I'm all about doing that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Let's move on to the 14th hole. I've got one more matchup that I like here. Nick Hardy, who's been just coming on very strong as of late, starting with a uh, Corn Ferry event uh, about a month and a half ago, finished runner-up at the NV5 Invitational. Then he went to the PGA Tour and finished 35th at the Canadian Open, 14th at the U.S. Open, 8th at the Travelers, 30th at the John Deere, 13th at the Barracuda. I want to have some type of investment on Nick Hardy this week, and I found a good matchup, I think, against Matthew Neesmith. Neesmith is a guy that I usually like more on Bermuda greens, Really good ball striker, but the putting can get bulky in a hurry. Nick Hardy is a Midwest kid, grew up in Illinois, should find himself right at home. Uh, I do like him this week. He's riding a heater. I'm going to ride it right alongside him. I don't want to dip down to the number that he is in the outright space. I just think it's a little too short for a guy that hasn't really contended on the PGA Tour yet. But in a matchup against Smith, I think it's a really smart play. I agree with you on that. Nick Hardy's a guy that grades eighth overall for me in my model. He does have that negative trajectory for upside that you're talking about, which would be the reason why, you know, a 40 to one number or even less than that at some spots would probably not be where you exactly want to go. But sixth in my model for safety, he's riding the heater that you talked about. All the numbers across the board for me look really good. And uh, Neesmith is a guy that is outside of the top 25 for me. So I do definitely believe you have some value on Hardy at that price. All right, let's get to the 15th hole. All right, we went down the rabbit hole of Sung Yul No uh, because of his pass upside a second ago, but let's do the same thing with Kevin Chappell. Top 40, plus 320 on FanDuel, plus 240 on DraftKings. The ranking has fallen to 552nd in the world because of an injury-riddled past few years, but five made cuts in his past eight starts. Three of those finishes have been landed him inside the top 21. He's also inside the top 10 for distance and par four scoring on short holes, a range that he will get five times at some of the easier chances of the week. And I just believe this to be a price where, yeah, things can go wrong, but that's already baked into the number at plus 320. It's these small exposure plays where we don't always need to be right, but when we are right, it can help pay for the week that you want to be looking at this week. And Kevin Chappell at plus 320, you know, the form is kind of there if you want to look at the made cuts that he has, but if you would have had one high-end result, I truly believe this is more like a plus 180, plus 200 type number. So I think you're getting about 100 points of value. And while it's likely he probably doesn't land in the top 40 based off of that, 100 points of value is too hard to pass up when all we're trying to do is find value at the end of the day. I think that's really smart. Kevin Chappell is a guy that I've said has had value in the marketplace up and down the board for a while now. He's He was on the President's Cup team, U.S. President's Cup team less than five years ago. And so... He's a good player who's dealt with injury, dealt with some other issues within his, his game and often on the golf course. And so you look at what he's doing now, he's slowly, gradually starting to come back a little bit. He's not going to be a world beater. He's not going to make the U.S. President's Cup team this year, but he does have the innate talent to do some good things against a, an inferior field. 
I feel like it's the perfect place to take him. And that leads into the 16th hole where I mentioned earlier, this is a bullpen start for me. I'm going with just a bunch of guys and kind of throwing out some bigger numbers at you. So I've got two outrights for this hole and two outrights for the next hole for me. But I will start with a 45 to one on Chris Goddard. Look, he's a complete wild card right now. The Haskins award winner has accorded himself well on the PGA Tour in his first five professional starts, a T4 at the John Deere Classic being the best of them. I think there's a high ceiling, potentially low floor. I know it's a spinny ball, ball that might not work at TBC Twin Cities as well as some others, but I'm willing to take a chance on him at that number because it does feel a little like Matthew Wolf three years ago who turned pro and almost instantly one on this very same golf course. And the other guy I'll take for this hole, Bo Hostler at 80 to one. And I look at this as a chance to look at some guys who are further down the board, whose games you've been watching for a while, players that you like, and you say, you know what? I could see him winning a tour event at some point. And maybe it's not the perfect place for him. Maybe it's not uh, the perfect event that you love him for, but I like Bo Hostler's game. I think at some point, whether it's this season, whether it's next season, the season after, he's going to win on the PGA Tour. Why not take a chance at a big number against a field such as this where he's quite honestly one of the more talented players in this field? The thing with Hostler, and it's what you're really looking for when you're taking long shot options to begin with, is you want an elite skill set. Like if you're going to take a guy down the board, they have to do something that can bring them to the top. And then you hope that... All those other factors that might not like sometimes come into play for them can hit. And Hostler is one of the most elite putters in the world, no matter how you want to look at it. So he has the skill set there. And then as far as Chris Goddard up is concerned, you know, college golf has really made all these players prepared to enter the PGA Tour. And a guy like Goddard up, we don't really know what his ceiling is at this point. I guess we don't know what his floor is either. But as an outright ticket, I mean, there's certainly upside for him to find potential. Yeah, I love that. Uh I love that potential that he's got. I think he's going to be a good player for a long time. Absolutely mashes the ball. All right, 17th hole. What you got, Spencer? Last one. All right, my final hole will be Callum Terran, top 40, plus 160 on FanDuel. That is plus 130 on DraftKings. As you can tell, I tend to like these spots where we either get a baked-in price on a golfer that has shown success before, or in this case, a golfer with some unknown qualities who clearly has found something over a more recent time frame, but isn't getting it baked into his price. Taryn is top 25 in this field for birdie or better and opportunities gain. And the recent putting search puts him in a position where he only needs a few pieces to come together to land a top end result. He's 130 to one to win this on DraftKings. I think that's probably about 40 points too high. I, I would bet him as an outright ticket there. And the plus 160 number falls into a range that was 30 points too high also by itself when just looking at a top 40 wager. Spencer, every week on the pod, Benny and I get to a point where we go, come on, you didn't just, and we show each other our notes and we, we hold it up to the Zoom that we have. And we go, yeah, look, we both had my 18th hole, the final hole. I've got two outrights, as I mentioned, because I'm sprinkling on some bigger numbers. One of them is indeed Callum Tarrant. I love this kid this week. Ever since contending for a couple of days at Brookline for the U.S. Open last month, I've been keeping my eye on him. A couple of top 25s ever since. Looks more confident. And the best thing I can say about Callum Tarrant, you watch him play golf, and he looks the part. He just looks like a good professional golfer. He's not a guy that looks scared to be out there. Not a guy where you watch his swing. I don't know. He just looks like a guy that should and could be a top 30, top 40 type of player in the not too distant future at 130 to one. I think that's a great number. I'll fire him in a bunch of DFS lineups as well. And I'll have him in some prop plays. And then 
The other player I have here is another guy that you mentioned earlier, Emiliano Grillo. Uh, there's that upside, and we talk about you know guys that do something really. It's it's tee to green for Grillo, and very much like Brandon Steele. If the putter gets even marginally warm, doesn't have to get hot. If it just gets a little lukewarm this week, Emiliano Grillo can contend for this title. He was runner-up at the John Deere Classic a few weeks ago. He was third place at this event a couple of years ago. I love that intersection of form and recent history on this course. So I'm playing him at 65 to 1 as an outright place, Spencer. And he has spiked somewhat recently with the putter. And that's the one thing you're looking for with these players is, you know, you take a guy like Hideki Matsuyama and maybe not so much this year because we saw the wins come into play once the putter did end up spiking for him. But you don't want the player that just always loses. And then when they do gain, you know, it's neutral. Yeah, Griot's going to be bad during most of his performances. But when we look at when he's gained recently, 4.1 at the John Deere, 2.1 at the Byron Nelson, 2.7 at the Mexico Open. He gained three at the Genesis. So when the putter does come, it comes in bunches with him. And he's the number two player in my model behind Austin Smotherman when it comes to weighted ball striking. Spencer, it's a week where they have to go pretty far down the alternate list. You are our first alternate on the list. We appreciate you jumping in for Benny Everill this week, who is who knows where. And hopefully he gave the claret jug back and hopefully he wiped it off, too. I mean, I'd hate to think that Cameron Smith is bringing that thing home with uh, with Ben's lips having been all over it. So uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening. As always, you can catch the Links and Locks podcast wherever you find your favorite podcast. Download, rate subscribe listen to us every single week i'm jason sobel he's spencer aguiar catch him at t off sports at t off sports on twitter and instagram good luck with all your bets for this week's 3m open here's hoping you hit the green